0: Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great and God has spoken. Who are you?
1: Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz
0: welcome back to out of oz a building 28 church podcast where we discuss the fantasies and fallacies of modern day christian culture with compassion conviction and courage i'm danny and as always we have pastor aaron with us
1: and i'm excited today um, because i'm back from israel yep and i got my oldest friend on the podcast my brother the artist composer musician painter designer Seriously, for several years, touring artists around the United States and the world. Nate Curran with us. And we're talking about a, yes, take a bow, Nate. And we're talking about a subject matter today that me and three other listeners are super passionate about. Okay. So, um, but I actually do think this is an issue that exists. This is unlike a lot of the episodes that we cover where we get a lot of the questions to come in. This is something that I think has become ignored and almost irrelevant in particular arenas of evangelicalism today and especially I would say by and large in the reformed world in which we live and I'll kind of read the setup here but basically the gist of this discussion is going to be around why is truth and beauty set at odds with one another in the church world today I think I have explanations or at least stabs at explaining why that is, but it seems as though among many Christians today, and I'll I'll just be honest, like right from the jump, okay, I'm just just derailing this thing right from, but hey, this is a creative podcast, so we can do whatever we want. We got margin. But where where I see it is, and this extends to the political realm, it, it extends to our societal lives, is the more conservative you typically are, theologically, politically, ideologically, practically, I'm just going to say it, the less creative you tend to be. Jordan Peterson in his book, Beyond the Order, talks about that. I think in chapter one or chapter two where he says the conservatives of society, and it's because we're historians, like we look back and we go, hey, there's only a few paths that have ever worked. Let's just stick with that. And so we kind of bottle ourselves in. And in the more progressive, the more liberal theologically, societally, politically, ideologically, they tend to be more innovative and creative and willing to take risk. Mm. And so if you could kind of summarize those two entities, and I know that's really broad brushing, one really thrives off of facts and truth, and one really thrives off of pushing the boundaries and discovery and innovation. And I think that scripture calls us to both of those. So with that said, it is human nature to be attracted to beautiful things. You could even say it's part of the Imago Dei. It is part of God's design that he made us. So that's what we might call something or a structure or a piece of art or a person attractive. And what we're saying though is that thing attracts people to them. That is God's design to have done it that way. God created in the game and said, it's good, right? As Christians, we know that God has wired us intricately And he has designed us to appreciate and desire beauty for a purpose. In scripture, we have examples of gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, appreciating the wonder of creation, adoring the beauty of a spouse, and constructing extravagant temples for worship. How can we apply these biblical principles to the modern Christian life? How much emphasis should Christians and churches place on the arts compared to other efforts? Let's unpack if Christians should be concerned with artistic beauty today. So there you have it. That's the premise. Does provide some clarity? And if not, it's fine because this is all about art and art doesn't have to be crystal clear. And I think that's part of the issue too, but we'll get into that. So okay. there we go.
0: Well, thanks for being with us, Nate. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> thanks for the, the opening round. I'm just gonna let Nate talk the rest of the time <laughs> no, no.
0: Okay, so I think people might be listening to this podcast thinking like, okay, why are we talking about this? Why is it so important? And I think that's the heart of the issue that you're trying to get at. So the question is, is the characteristic of God's beauty as important as his other characteristics?
1: Yeah.
2: That's a theological question, so I'm just
1: we're, we're all <laughs> theologians. I mean, I'll, I'll just kick in whenever you want here, but for me, it is, God does not have any diminished attributes, mm-hmm. any diminished characteristics. He doesn't have any elevated. He's not more holy than he is creative. He's not more loving than he is merciful. Like we have an innovative, creative God of express beauty. And the reality is, is like, when we talk about beauty in the world, it's the closest we ever get. When we talk about holiness, we talk about truth, we talk about goodness, we talk about these different things. We get like fractional insights into what we would call glory or what scripture would call glory, but beauty is the closest we get to understanding the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Like when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and you gaze out at that, or when you walk through the Louvre in Paris and you see artistic expression. So there's different styles of learning. There's didactic learning, right? Where you like, and that's, I think that's very popular in the reformed world. It's very popular in the scholastic world um, where we go through an epistle and we unpack that didactically, like line upon line. And there's a place for that. But what's happened is oftentimes in the West in more conservatism theologically is that's the only way that we learn anymore. And there's much to be learned from the character of God as many creators. He is the ultimate creator. We have this derived creativity within us. You don't have to be a painter and you don't have to be a musician and you don't have to. We're all called create. Like I create sermons every week. A parent creates a home and an atmosphere for their children that is supposed to be a reflection of God's beauty mm-hmm. and God's glory to us. And so I don't think there's too many people that are listening or watching or in evangelicalism. Reform circles who were like oh beauty isn't that important or you know creativity isn't that important but i think we just at least from my observation we live our lives that way a lot of times.
2: we forget about we're it. just
1: copycats yeah. we just we just take what somebody said and we regurgitate it and a lot of sermons are basically just someone reading a book like that they they read that week and they're just regurgitating everything or and there's no like expansive thinking for ourselves and creating as image bearers and, and main creators does that make sense
2: yeah yeah absolutely i mean like you said, you mentioned standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. People that know me know that I've traveled a lot, not just with music, but just I love to travel, been to a lot of places. And one of the things that I love I about... I've
0: been
1: a lot of places in my life and times. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Is that an original? That's an original. <laughs> oh. Folks.
0: It's the art podcast. You can break out into song. That's yeah. not
1: an original. That's not an original. I'm sorry. I don't know <laughs> those things are, though. It's probably not a good song. Um... <laughs> No, it, it might be. Um, no, but I was going to
2: say traveling around. One of the things I love to do in this country is visit national parks. And people that know me know that I post a lot of pictures of them. I think I've been to over half of the 62 now. And there is a majesty and a beauty when you stand, like you said, at the edge of the Grand Canyon, when you stand at the, you know, the arches in, in Arches National Park, when you're at Yosemite and you see those faces of the cliffs. When you're at Yellowstone and you see the beauty there, I mean, to me, visiting those places, seeing the night sky and Joshua Tree and the stars, like there's a sense of worship that comes over me Mm. when I stand and I see those places because it reminds me of the not just the beauty, but the creativity of God. Yeah. Yeah. Like to design and orchestrate and build out of his mind, out of nothing, these majestic places. And other places around the world as well. And I think most Christians can appreciate that. They can appreciate natural beauty, but oftentimes then when you get inside the church, you hear people create this dichotomy between secular and sacred on things that man creates. Like any Christian can stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, okay, God created this. It's beautiful. Look at this amazing thing. But I think it's harder for some Christians to appreciate the beauty or the creativity of something that's created by, let's say, an unbeliever, but God is still orchestrating that if you think about it, I was telling a friend uh, a couple of nights ago, we were talking about some of the greatest nights of our entire lives. And the one that always comes to mind for me was my last night in Iceland, about six years ago, when I saw the Icelandic choir perform their 80th anniversary concert in Reykjavik. And I sat there and I cried the entire show. I couldn't understand a word they're saying in Icelandic, (laughs) the entire show. And it was so beautiful though, that I just kept thinking about What an amazing existence this is, what creativity that was, what beauty ultimately attributed not to that choir, that symphony, or to the conductor, but to God um, because He created music in the first place. And I think it's important for us as Christians to not just admire and bask in the beauty of art or music or things created by other believers, but by even unbelievers. If it's a beautiful thing, I believe God is in it in a sense and obviously has created art and music
1: and design and architecture and the list goes on when we say god is in this we're not saying it you know obviously not in a polytheistic or pantheistic way what we're saying is that all creativity is derived from the creator right just like all justice is derived from the creator all rightness is derived from the creator all manifestations of love it moves us deeply when we see these manifestations of love because we're wired to appreciate Love. And I would just go out on a limb here and say that for most Christians, whether we realize it or not, the mountaintop experiences of their lives are not when they, and believe me, if you know me at all, you know thinking rightly and deeply about God is very, very important. But it is when that intersects with feeling deeply for God that you experience like soul revival. Part of the issue is we always have to have an answer, everything's got to be buttoned up. And sometimes in these moments of creativity and artistic expression, you can't frame it out exactly you can't like put it into words like you're just like i don't know how to explain that or we'll say things like you had to be there right? right because it goes it goes beyond just the theoretical and the scholastic and it becomes something that is very personal and very vibrant and it is existential and i think that at times we can demonize that because it's more subjective and it's more oh well your feelings can lead you astray and they can but I'm reading um, for the third time now in our home group. I've talked about a lot on my sermons and podcasts, but Rembrandt is in the wind by Russ Ramsey. And I think it's chapter one where he just says, we're many creators that are called to reflect in whatever realm that we can. And I get it; a lot of our listeners are probably not creative types. I get that? that. the beauty of art, the beauty of creativity is you can expand outside of the borders of what you think that is. Mm -hmm. And you can create in ways. So if you're an interior designer, you design to put on display ultimately the beauty and the glory of God. Like that's what we're doing is if if you're a musician, if you're a composer, if you're a, I mean, we can kind of go outside of the box a little bit with some of this stuff, but uh, let's say you're a writer, you're a blogger, you're a you're a social media influencer like the whole point is you're using those platforms and those tools that god has given us to express to people around us in very terrestrial terms the cosmic reality of there's something greater there's something bigger there's something more glorious out there and we just lost that and so i think by and large the non-christian community or the progressive christian community looks upon the conservative reformed world and just says you guys are missing a huge piece and there's a, there's a lack of respect at times. And I'm not trying to throw shade, but that's why so much of Christian music today is just copy paste from somebody else because we're almost scared to like, to open our mind to think beyond the borders of like this little cube that we live in. Yeah. And so it's just every worship song sounds the same. I remember, I remember when we were starting to write some original music and the tone that came back, the theme that kept coming back was, can we write theologically sound lyrics, but yet make it like, Hillsong or like elevation as far stylistically. And it's because we've kind of fallen into this niche where, you know, unconsciously where everything's got to kind of sound the same and be the same instead of creating something completely different and completely fresh as an expression of God's glory. And like I said, there's probably like no one that's interested in this, but to me, I'm going, Hey, I think we need to do better as a church of like taking what God has given us and trying to think and feel and create margin, i I will say this as well. I'm sorry, I'm just rambling a lot, Dan. I think that part of the issue is is that the urgency of the message that God has given us, the gospel message, calls for kind of a radical efficiency at times. And so Protestants and Americans we get really good at doing things quickly, mm-hmm. and art can't be done quickly, right? You know you've got to you've got to create margin in your life. To experience the wonder of God, the wonderment of creation, to go stand on the edge of, a, of the ocean or to, like we were just in Israel, to be up on top of the mountain and not be rushed, you know, from one place to the next. To sense that and to feel that and to worship and to meditate and to read scripture and, and be moved like the psalmist was moved. So anyway, there's, there's a lot that can be said here, but that's kind of, yeah. And I, I think it's easy to focus on the big things too. You know, like
2: I mentioned, some people are probably going, well, I don't have the chance to drive to the Grand Canyon or go to Israel or, you know, stand under the night sky in the middle of a desert. And I challenge people to find the beauty and the creativity of God in the simple things. Like when I think about it, sometimes I sit in front of my computer as a designer and I'm trying to come up with a design for, let's say a graphic here at Building 28. And I think about it, it hits me. And I'm like, look at these colors. These colors aren't man-made necessarily they are based on natural colors that god created god came up with this color spectrum Mm -hmm. when you look at each and every snowflake i mean millions of them that all have different little designs there is a beauty and an intricacy to everything that god has made and when you step back i think you can you can admire the beauty and creativity of god in the simple things as much as the big things for sure
0: yeah no that's really good so like nobody can count themselves out like You know, even if you don't think of yourself as a creative person, like we're all wired to appreciate beauty and we just have to be present enough to notice it and like worship God for it. It
1: certainly doesn't need to be demonized. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, you know, like I don't want to be offensive, but basically in any realm, including individuals, like you can be like, oh, you know, that's attractive or that person's attractive. That's almost something that needs to be like ignored or demonized. No, it's not like. Like, we should use the gifts that God has given us to attract people to the message. That's why, that's why cathedrals are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was to reflect the glory of the God that they represent. Like that's why there's stained glass windows where when the light comes in, there's all this fractured light. It brings together this really glorious juxtaposition of a broken world and yet the glory of God shining through that. And so finding that and appreciating that and carving out margins. So yeah, you don't have to go to the Grand Canyon. You don't have to be under a a star-studded sky in Wyoming. We live in in Clearwater, Florida, like going to the beach, but everything we do is so purposeful today. And I think that's part of like the purpose-driven life by Rick Warren and the the writings of John Piper with we do everything with express purpose. But you can still live your life on purpose while doing things within it. Mm that don't have to be as purposeful. Just go to the go to the beach for an hour or sit outside for an hour and listen to the birds and take in the flowers of spring and meditate on the goodness of God. That that art of meditation has been lost so much today mm-hmm. where just meditating on the goodness of God, the truth of God and the beauty of God and appreciating that instead of demonizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really important.
0: I think that comes into play a lot with like American culture and like not knowing when to rest or like the lost art of Sabbath that is commanded oh, of us. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that plays kind of hand in hand.
1: Yeah. It's it's like Sabbath has become, let's do nothing. Instead of let's redeem this day by creating margins within it to worship the Lord more expressly yeah. in a way that is not the norm. Like there's something to be said for you coming to church and you sing three songs and you pray and you hear from the word. And hopefully even on all that, there's creativity. It's not just like, okay, we're going to sing the same songs again and then the the preacher's going to going to read his sermon and it's going to you know everything is just like extremely liturgical and there's no breath in it. you can be very liturgical in your personal life and in your church worship and yet appreciate the creativity and beauty of God as well in that and that's you should do both, yeah, like you should do both,
0: yeah, I think that's the the heart of it it's like we see God's beauty and we worship and I think there's also a lot of like stereotypes for what worship looks like yeah. as well. Everything is a box. It's like, oh, worship is just singing and nobody wants yeah. to venture out into those other things. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's why like when I see our kids workers on Sunday, i will be like, thanks for worshiping today. Like in that way, like I'm talking to them because serving our kids is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. Like when I go in there, like when I'm not preaching and I go in with me and our worship leaders when we go in there, we're looking for creative ways to take the same beautiful, glorious, archaic truth and distill it to the children in second mm-hmm. and third grade in a way that it opens their imagination and their eyes. I mean, like, so I've talked about this before, but there's a reason why Jesus used parables all the time. he's the greatest storyteller. He's using an allegory and parable. And it's because, you know, psychologists have understood that we only use about six to 7% of our brain. But when you speak in storytelling, it opens up five to six times more of your brain power mm-hmm. than when you just speak didactically. And so that's why when we go, like we went to Wicked the other night, or Nate will play a show in St. Pete and a bunch of us will go. And in that lyrical beauty that's expressed there, whether through play at the Straz or through a concert or through an art gallery, your mind is opened up, your soul is opened up to go, wow, there's much more to this. And I don't have to have all the answers to this. I can just feel deeply for who God is and what He's done. Now, I, I do wanna, I'm, I'm gonna keep tracking this along because I wanna ask Nate this. Why do you think there's so little focus on God's beauty compared to his other attributes within the church by and large today? Because we've talked about this before. Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, it's safer. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, growing up or some of the circles we've run in or you know, colleges we went to or churches we've been a part of, the attributes of God that are more mysterious or dangerous are pushed to the front. Mm -hmm. He's holy, he's judging, even even he's loving. It's these ones that sort of that we think we
1: have a better grasp on. That we think right? we have a better yeah. grasp
2: on. So you don't hear much about the beauty of God because I would say it's a little more subdued than the others. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, also I think it's it doesn't immediately come to mind when you think of the attributes of God. You know, if you read through certain things, you know, you've read you know the book was it by Tozer on the attributes of God. Yeah. He doesn't really talk much about the creativity or beauty of God. So it's sort of lost, I feel like a lot of times in churches and among Christians, or taken for granted it's something you know we just Definitely. don't we just don't think about. so I mean, those are the first things that come to mind when I think about why are, why is the beauty of God not talked about as much or not appreciated as yeah. much?
1: I completely agree. And yet what's so crazy is, as biblicalists, we understand the fourfold plan of redemption of our salvation of the whole gospel is, creation it is good fall redemption new creation so it's like woven throughout all of who we are as individuals as people as the redeemed that god stepped in and spoke and light burst from darkness and color burst off the palette and all that this like you were talking about you know a few minutes ago i think you're talking about like humanity and if i could compare it to the church at times It'd be like looking at a human body and just seeing it scientifically. And you should do that. That's good. But you should also see the complexity and the beauty and the innovation mm-hmm. that is the human body and how intricate it is for this to work and for this to like move about with the fluidity that we move about. So I think we're missing a big part of who God is if we just focus on, you know, to, to stay consistent with the analogy of just the scientific, the theological, the dogmatic, the but even that like we don't the best ways that we can express the holiness of God are innovatively because it means other than. So now we have to like start thinking how can we express how can we portray the holiness of God in a way and when you do that you're you're talking creatively you're talking beautifully so.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think like growing up in like my upbringing and like before I really understood I feel like in a deep sense who god was i heard like the attributes of god like oh his holiness or his justice like you said and it's like not beautiful it's like scary you know what i mean so it's like if you are a christian and you don't see those attributes like all of those you should think of them as beautiful i feel like beautiful is the word that encompasses all of his attributes and if you don't see his holiness or his justice or his love as beautiful i think you're missing the relationship right yeah with god
1: for sure i mean like so like case in point, for me, anyway, we drove out. We were just in Israel. We drove out one day. We were down by the Dead Sea, and we drove out into the wilderness, to a jeep ride into the wilderness. Two, three years. I mean, I've played music forever, and but I think just it was ingrained within me that this whole idea of artistic beauty and expression, innovation, creativity was so secondary or marginalized. So we drove out into the wilderness, and... We were laughing as we go and we were talking about different things we had experienced and seen in our Jeep ride. And then we got out there and you're literally, I mean, maybe maybe we'll throw up some pictures on the on the podcast on the YouTube uh, of this, but you're just surrounded by stunning beauty. You've got the Dead Sea off to your left, down the chasms, you know, you're below sea level and you're looking out upon the wilderness, the wilderness that like to the south that the Israelites would have navigated through in excess. I mean, it is absolutely like mind-bending, beautiful. And I think you can go one of two ways. You can look at it and be like, okay, this is cool. Like this is awesome. Like this is, you know, whatever. Or, like, for me, I was like, there has to be an intentionality sometimes in creating this space and these margins. So I just broke away from the whole group, which I did throughout the trip a lot. And I went over to the edge of one of these canyons and just sat down. And you should do it with whatever kind of floats your boat. For me, it's classical music. So I just put on some neoclassical music and for half an hour just thought through. All of what came flooding to my mind in those moments of meditation was all of the references in the Old Testament to the desert and the wilderness and the place of testing and the place of renewal. And that doesn't happen if there's not like some time for meditation. And, and so I came away with like this, this rather, for me anyway, profound experience of like thinking through how God has brought me through desert and wilderness and drought, and spiritually speaking, and how in those moments I was desperate for renewal and desperate for food and desperate for sustenance for the soul. And so that's just one example of many where I think like in everyday life, you can, we try to, instead of being so busy, and that's part of the issue, instead of being so busy, one thing pounding on top of the other, is just creating space to actually appreciate and enjoy the glory of God by seeing and, or as Piper would say, by seeing and savoring his beauty. Like, you know, so sure. um, yeah.
0: Can you imagine if David was too busy to write the Psalms?
1: I know, right? Because we went to A of... Good thing he didn't have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Like or, or if any of the poetic books of the Bible like just weren't there.
2: Yeah. Well yeah. I always I was think pretty sad. about like going back a little bit, we're all creators here. You create sermons, you create music, you create social media posts mm-hmm. and, and design things. I'm a designer, I'm a songwriter. Yeah. We all we're all creators. And the first thing that's mentioned in the Bible is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then it talks about, you know, the six days he created and he looked at these things and he said, it is good. And we all base our creations and our creativity off things we've learned or absorbed or things that make an impact on us. You know, as a songwriter, we're influenced by songs we've listened to. As a designer, we're influenced by other designs that we see. God created all this out of absolutely nothing. It was just a miracle. It was imagination from an infinite being that
1: just came up with all of this, which yeah. is mind-blowing in and of itself. When yeah. you Follow step it. back and think about it. And people know that. And I completely agree Genesis 1. It's like you said, Dan, we just don't stop to appreciate. Even this episode, it's going to be like, oh, whatever. you know. Like, yeah. you know from, from I'm sure. But because it's like we don't stop to appreciate that it's not just Genesis 1. It's Genesis 2, Revelation. Revelation 22, the last book of the Bible. And I think we can read it and just not feel anything. But if we actually stop to meditate on it, it is beauty. It's then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal. God didn't have to put that in there. The descriptor of the river of life flowing from the throne of God and the lamb to the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, so you close your eyes and you begin to imagine what it's like. This It's describing eternal beauty, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. And it goes on. It's just described, this. Is the very last book of the Bible is describing the new creation and what God has done. Mm. And it's just so easy to be like, oh, I got to get to my Bible reading. And I, instead of like stopping to feel and stopping to consider... That beauty is not secondary to holiness. It's not secondary to truth. It is intricately woven into holiness and woven into truth. And it would do us well, it would do our souls well. Like we don't just have a heady religion. We have a soulful faith. It would do our souls really well. And it has done my soul really well over the last couple of years. Um, because I would say Romans just my favorite book of the Bible. I still love Romans. Romans is awesome. But now the Psalms are my favorite. Like where I've just gone, because the Psalms, I think we cheapen them. Like we're like, oh, like this is poetry. No, it speaks about the grandeur of God and the greatness of God and mm-hmm. the holiness of God and the mercy of God, but it does it all beautifully, like in mm-hmm. a way that helps us by God's design to feel who He is and you know His glory. So yeah.
0: How would you respond to the people? Cause I know like I've heard it and I'm sure you guys have as well. The people that don't understand why we have social media team or don't understand why we have... This sounds like it's coming from a dark place man. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like people that don't understand, they don't think that we need that. You know what I mean? Or like we don't need designers or we don't need to make our church look a certain way. Or it's like this is all like kind of unnecessary. You know what I mean? Or it's like frivolous or superficial or shallow. Like let's just teach the Bible. And obviously we should, but like how how would you respond? Yeah.
2: Go ahead. I want to hear the artist first. (laughs) Well, you know, I can't speak just for Building 28, but, you know, just in general, as believers, I think we are to reflect the beauty and character of God. And like we've talked about this entire episode, part of that character is his beauty, creativity, splendor, and we are called to show that. So looking at it purely from a theological standpoint, I would say it's important for us to have some of these things or all of these things to help showcase what Christians are and what we can be. Christians aren't necessarily just off sitting in a room in the dark, chanting like monks or hopefully not in a a church that has 70-year-old decor and no AC and everyone's wearing suits and ties. And Christians can't appreciate current culture. And I mm-hmm. think we are called to show that. But beyond the theological, you know, when you, we're, we're talking about just winning people or, or drawing people, you know, to me also being part of the culture in it but not of it is adapting to the, the methods and the design and the maybe the look and feel. And so I think social media is, you know, just for one, one of those things you mentioned is super important because that's how a lot of people are looking to find a church or a space. And so we need to adapt to that to help draw them in. And for people who would say, well, that's not important or that's frivolous, I would say, you know, why? What makes what you think is important, more important than these things that I think God has called us to? Or
1: how are you going to communicate truth? Or or how are you going to communicate truth? What's going to be your vehicle? Like to do that because like truth stands, but we all have a vehicle, whether it's a sermon preached in a suit and tie, nothing wrong with that, or it's a hymn sung which at some point in time, that was from Isaac Watts or from John Newton, and they were expressing their artistic wiring. And so, I think our listener understands this. I know you guys understand this. And I'm not trying to like dog on Christianity for the sake of dogging on Christianity, but the world outside the church, do they view us, the church, typically, in broad strokes, as more creative or more pathetic when it comes to that, to creativity? And I think it is the, the church is viewed as behind the times, outdated, archaic, and some of that's because of our beliefs, which we still have to cling to ardently. Right. But some of it is because we have outmoded ourselves by, by taking this really, really important, essential attribute of God and offloading it to the world hmm. and saying, you guys be the creators. Yeah. You guys be the innovators. You guys create good media. You guys create good film. You guys create good music. And meanwhile, we'll keep creating music that sounds like it's 25 years old. And and we'll keep gathering in our kind of cultish circles at times and doing the same thing we've been doing for years mm-hmm. and years and years instead of ever thinking outside of that and saying, maybe with the, the way things are changing. And I mean, there would have been no reformation if that was the mentality. Mm. Because the reformers were huge on creating and expressing even though there was the destruction of the relics and the kind of iconoclasm that existed in the Reformation because of the, the crucifix and the holy objects to be worshipped, there was a huge influx and rise of poetry, especially in the way of music, to catechize and to instruct. And this is where songs like a mighty fortress our God comes out of the Reformation, which is just filled with graphic, expressive pictures of what it means that the lord is a mighty fortress i mean the 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 title of the song itself gives us a visual of a fortress so that we can understand like as the psalmist did this is our god i mean the mighty fortress our god is written from one of the psalms and so things like that i I look at and go we, we should not cheapen it out we should not offload the responsibility we should be creators because both inside the church whether people realize it or not or outside the church we are drawn as we started we open up the whole episode this way we are drawn to beauty and we are drawn to our hearts are enlivened our minds are awakened when we can in some way our soul can touch the truth and that's why you know so, so many people get addicted to television shows and they're not creating as they're watching them but somebody created that show to move them to mm. feel something. Mm or they created, Taylor Swift writes her albums to, to uh, whether you like her music or not, but to move people to feel something. And that's why they sell millions of copies, just my felt something there. And going back to an earlier concept, we cannot separate that out and go, that's profane or that's secular. Mm. And we're gonna be over here. And that means that creativity and making people feel something is secular. And, and let's just, let's just think and let's just, you know, no, like we need to meld those worlds here because God is a God of the head and a God of the heart. Mm. That's really important for us to like keep in mind as we progress through.
2: Yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking about that, I was thinking back, I'm probably going to date myself with this reference, but <laughs> I was a big Smashing Pumpkins fan for a long time. If people are familiar with, with that rock band from the 90s and they're still playing today and the lead singer Salvation. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Billy Corgan, the lead singer from and then and guitarist from Smashing Pumpkins. I, I met them at a show at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. I think it was 05 or 06. So many years ago. And we had a conversation, he and I backstage. And part of it was about a particular song he had written. And I was curious about why he had written it and the story behind it. And we kind of talked about it a little bit. And it was shortly, after, it was either shortly after that or shortly before he did an interview, I think it was on CNN, and I remember going home from hanging out with him at the time and watching that interview, and the interviewer asked him, so what's the future of rock and roll in this country? And he said, you know, rock and roll has covered sex, it's covered love, it's covered drugs, it's covered this and that, and he said, the future of rock and roll to me is God. And they were like, what do you mean by that? And he goes, I think God is the unexplored thing behind music that we haven't had, haven't touched on yet. And the interviewer said, well, what would you say to all the Christian artists then that have been making music for the last 20 or 30 years? And he said, I think if Jesus were to come down right now and talk to all those Christian artists, he would say, make better music. <laughs> and that always struck me hard because here's someone that is not a Christian, not a Christian artist, someone that writes amazing music, lyrically and musically, but can appreciate God, at least in a general sense. And I would say even today, certainly there's good Christian music out there, but we can be even better. We can be better. And that's not necessarily just how many times can we put Jesus into a song. It's creating music or design or art or architecture or social media or whatever it is that is Cutting edge and creative and unique for the
1: glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been falsely attributed to Luther over the years, but the saying that, you know, about the cobbler, whoever said it, it's true though. They're like, the goal of a Christian cobbler is not to preach, to write scripture verses on their shoes, but to make the best shoes they can for the glory of God. Mm. So that's where it gets back to this concept of, you're listening, you're like, I'm not a songwriter, I'm not a poet, I'm not a, an artist, uh, you know. Whatever it is that you're doing, like I've always said, like if you're a school teacher, you are trying to teach in a way that puts on display for the children or the students in your classroom what it would look like in glory and beauty if Jesus was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to do. So there's no there's no halfway here. There's no like, I'm just kind to like, if you're a programmer, you're trying to put on display in any way that you can through beauty and creativity and innovation and efficiency, what it would look like if Jesus was a hardworking to the glory of God programmer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And so we can't separate and be like, well, I'm a programmer over here in my secular life and then I'll go to church on Sunday and like, have this sacred thing going on. Like, no, it all is meant to be blended together and we're meant to redeem these things that God has given us and showcase to the world through our person, through our expressions, through what we do, through our interactions, a God of, yes, a God of holiness, a God of truth, a God of goodness, a God of love, but a God of beauty. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, thanks for hanging with us today. Hopefully, hopefully you, able, hopefully you guys were able to enjoy a little bit of this. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. Shout out to Jeff, our wonderful creator of of videography and production. Drop any comments in the, uh, in the box below. Subscribe, share with your friends, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Out of Oz. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofoddspodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.